This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 3. I want you to mark that. I want you to mark Genesis 3. And now I just want to fast forward to Genesis 5. And we're going to go back to 3 here in a second. It's verse 24. You know what? I'm going to use John Wilds. Do you have your Bible there on your hipster phone? Do you have it there? Yeah, grab a mic. You can just sit, look all cool, and, and read it. Verse 24. Genesis five twenty four. Sorry. Man, I'm faster with a real Bible. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. <laughs> Let me read that again in the New King James. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now I want you to look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Go ahead and read that, John. Um, New King James, if you can do it. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was just man. Was a just man. Was a just man, sorry. Mm -hmm. Perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God. Okay, verse 24 of chapter 5, and Enoch walked with God. Chapter 6, verse 9, and Noah walked with God. In Genesis 3, look down at verse 8. I'll read this. I got it now, John. I love you, though. <laughs> verse 8. You know how I am, John. Verse 8 of chapter 3, And they, being Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I can't help but shake this whole invitation to walk with God that it's it's, uh, it's available it's our calling and it's literal it's literal it, it's not a thought it's not a fairy tale man can walk with God interestingly enough one translation in Genesis 3 says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. New King James says they heard the sound. Other translations say they heard the Lord God walking. But one actually says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking. 
The voice of the Lord is Jesus himself. He is the word made flesh. That experience that Adam had, that Noah had, and that Enoch had was incredibly literal. I want that to really get under your skin. I want that to burrow into your heart tonight. I, I want you to dream about walking with God more tangibly. I mean, literally, this is amazing. Listen to this. Don't turn there. It's Genesis 2. You can put it up, up on the screen if you like. Just don't turn there. It's Genesis 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the river went out of Eden to water the garden. Side note, the word Eden means pleasure. So rivers of living water, this is a prophetic picture, would one day flow from the, the pleasure of Jesus in our lives. God only plants gardens in the realm of pleasure. We are to enjoy the Lord. It doesn't mean life's always going to be easy around us. But it does mean this, that no matter what's going on around us, I can experience the pleasure of the Lord within me. So God plants a garden in Eden. And that garden was Adam's ministry. Adam's ministry, first and foremost, was to tend to that garden. Verse 11, well, well actually, we'll fast forward to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Say, tended to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. So God is literally on a walk with Adam in the garden. And you can, you can tell by chapter 3 that this was their routine. And that God enjoyed that routine. In fact, God looked forward to their evening walks in the cool of the day. That tells me so much about the Lord. Number one, it tells me that he is incredibly relational. That I can know the Lord. I can walk with him. Adam and the Lord walk up to a tree. The Lord says, what would you like to name that one? And he names it. And it sticks. <laughs> Forever. The Lord enjoyed those walks. It tells me that, that we serve a passionate Jesus, that, that Jesus actually has desires so much so that he was tending to Adam's needs by choosing to walk with him in the cool of the day. He didn't want him to get too hot. It's amazing that he's that, that, he's that tender, that he's that... M that he cares for us that much, that he's that type of loving father, that he said, you know when we're going to walk? We're going to walk on the cool of the day because it's easier on you. The Lord was fine, I promise you. 
But it was literal. And Enoch, check this out. Enoch so walked with God in chapter 5. He walked with him so beautifully that God just said, I'm taking you early. You say, man, I want to change the world. I, I, want, I want to meet famous people. I want so-and-so to lay hands on me. And there's value there. But like Eric Gilmore says, if the public touch doesn't become a private kiss, you lose the public touch. Life's greatest achievement is to know and love the Lord. And it's literal. I've got to get that through. I want the Holy Ghost to to just blow you open tonight. You can talk to God and he can talk to you 24-7, nonstop, 365 days a year. You can be so sensitive to the Spirit that He tells you one thing and then you obey and He goes, Oh, wow, that's good soil right there. I'm going to talk to Him a little more. You say, He doesn't talk to me. He's the Word. What do you mean? What do you mean? You say, I don't see, I don't see and have vision. I don't have visions. No, you don't see them. And I'm not talking to you personally, but I am. <laughs> hey, Francis Chan said last week at this event in Dallas, he said, uh, now the Bible says that he who sins is of the devil. And it does say that, by the way. <laughs> it does say that. You're like, I don't like that. Well, it's too bad. That's what the Bible says. So he goes, now I'm not saying that if you sin, you're of the devil. He goes, God's saying if you sin, you're of the devil. <laughs> so, so the Bible says, Ezekiel, let, check this out. You talk about experience. The Bible says, oh, it's going to be a good night. I feel it swirling already. I feel the Lord swirling already. Listen, the Bible says, Ezekiel's writing, he said, and the Lord... Grabbed me by the hair and lifted me up into the heavens. That's pretty wild. Let me say that again. And the Lord grabbed me by the hair and lifted me up into the heavens. And listen, and I saw visions of God. What does that say? I'll tell you what it says. That God is speaking nonstop. Visions are available. His voice is available. Ezekiel saw the visions because he let God lift him. He let God lift him. That means that he, like Paul, felt the upward pull of God in his heart. Man, who gives a rip what people think of us? I mean, you got to die to all that. Like, who cares? What people think, who cares what they say. I mean, at the end of the day, look, at the end of the day, you're not going to make everyone happy. You're just not. People are going to have their opinions. Some people think they know you and they've never met you. Some people who you thought knew you, who do know, who did know you, don't know you in your new season. It's really dangerous to assign motive, by the way. It's really dangerous to judge somebody's walk with God. 
At that point, you've jumped into the intimacy bed between them and the Lord. The Lord won't have it. He's not an adulterer. If you don't like the way someone prays, then pray differently than them. But don't touch it. Don't touch it. He's a jealous, faithful husband. He's amazing, isn't he? So the Bible says Ezekiel's lifted. His heart is lifted. He's actually lifted, his spirit. And he sees visions of God. In other words, your destiny is Going before you like a ticker reel, you could be so far ahead of the game if your heart just burned enough to burn the cataracts out of your spiritual eyes. You say, what do you mean? The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart. They'll see God. If my heart's pure, I will see. How does my heart get purified? The Bible says, do you not know that the heart of man is, a, is the candle of the Lord? That's what David wrote in the Psalms. The heart of man is the candle of the Lord. Wait a second. If my heart's a candle, that means the fire on the candle is the Holy Spirit. As I give him attention here and worship and obey him, that flame gets bigger, burning out the cataracts. Now all of a sudden, my eyes can see, and I behold the Lord. It's super literal. It's super literal. I was was speaking to... Our Jesus School students, I think it was last, whatever, it was a week or two ago. And we've been reading the book of John. (laughs) We've been there for over a month. We've been in the first chapter for a long time. I want to provoke you. I, I, want, uh, I want the Lord, I'm asking the Lord tonight to redefine success to you. Success is not filling stadiums. That's a fruit of true success. We're going to see thousands at Jesus 18. That is not necessarily success. We'll see thousands fill the Citrus Bowl or whatever, Camping World, at, in, in, in February. That is not necessarily success. In fact, uh, you can fill stadiums and be super unsuccessful in the eyes of the Lord. You, you, you can have 50,000 followers on Instagram and be really unsuccessful. In fact, you can have 100,000 followers. You can go from 100 to 100,000 in a day and still be on your way to hell. I mean, the point is, we've got to redefine this thing. This thing... Success is loving Jesus. And loving Jesus is measurable. It, it looks like something because he is a person. That means I should be able to hear him. Can I keep going? I should be able to see what he's saying like the old prophets did. That's what the prophets wrote. I will wait and see what the Lord has to say. Under a lesser covenant, under a lesser covenant, they would watch like watchmen until the Lord spoke. They not only heard his voice, but some saw what he was saying. If you've ever had a vision, you found, oh my God, I can see what he's saying. Yeah. Of course you can, because his voice is all-consuming. When God speaks, you feel what he's saying, because his voice will fill your body and just mess it up a little bit. <laughs> so this is very literal. We have a high priest in heaven at the right hand of the Father with a real body. I want you to listen to me. 
There is a real God-man at the right hand of the Father with a real body who is fully God and fully man. That's the deal. He's real. He's really coming back. His grave is really empty. I've been to both. <laughs> okay? There, some people have different opinions. I've been in them both. They're both empty. That's the point. They're both empty. And don't you think that the most famous influential human, or God man, I should say, in history, the most famous person to ever walk the earth, if he were in the grave, don't you think they would have found it? Found his body? My Lord, he's shifted the world in three and a half years. Guys, this is legit. This is real. I want to shake off like, who? we're coming to a Jesus night. Yeah, well, that's because he's here. That's why you're here with like one social media post. That's why we're not building it around people. Because the Lord is here. He's right here in our midst. You can know him. You can go beyond occasionally thinking about him. You can really know him. He'll wake you up at night. He'll talk to you in the morning. Man, I'm telling you, if you give Jesus a day, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. You give him one day where you turn this off. Oh, Lord, I wish we didn't need those things sometimes. I like to punt mine into a lake. I tee it up and smoke a driver right into its screen. The, I'm, guys, shut down. Listen, shut down. Stop watching how other people are living their life and wishing you had what they had and go get with God and that whole comparison thing will die in you. It'll die. And God will say to you what he said to Cain after Cain murdered Abel because Cain felt so rejected. He just felt like Abel was way better and born better off and way more special, which is what happens in a brotherly culture without fathers. And the father has to speak and be direct with him. He said, had you not done right, wouldn't I have blessed you? How are you going to change the world analyzing somebody else's life on Instagram? Newsflash, that is not the path to the anointing. <laughs> it's not in the book. We use it. The only reason I use it is for the Lord. And I like watching some fishing stuff and messing with my friends and messing with Eric. I always screw with him on his comments because he takes them so seriously. So I just mess with him. The point is this. The Lord is valuable, though he's not prideful. I'll say that again. The Lord is valuable, but he's not prideful. This is what that means. He understands he's the bread of life. He's aware of that, but he's not prideful. So this is the deal. If you come to him with others, he will not meet with you. He will not have it that we bring other desires and other interests into our moments with him because he's not cheap. Have you ever watched a millennial date? Yeah, no, really. Have you ever sat in a restaurant? And I, I'm, almost, I'm not even close to millennial, am I? I'm way after. But I love the millennials. There's so many here. You guys, I love you. I think you're amazing. But sometimes I watch you date. And this is what I've, I've seen. Jesse and I will be out. And I can't wait to get to the table because I take the phone and put it down. So happy. As much as I love Jesus' image, I'm like, turn that thing off. 
The kids will be fine, and if anything happens, an angel will rescue them. I'm turning my phone off. <laughs> so Jess and I, were like locked in, you know, we're talking, and I look over, and I'll see these millennials like at, on a date, going like this. They're not even looking at each other. By the end of the date, they go, <laughs> I feel like we didn't connect. And I'm like, you think? You think? Are you texting each other across the meal? Is that what's going on? Of course you didn't connect. So the Lord, listen, the Lord, the Lord is a holy, valuable lover. Holy and valuable. And the moment we make room that is undivided and give him our attention, the Lord is glad to meet with us. Now, I want you to notice, and Reinhard Bonnke told me this, I want you to notice in Genesis 3 that it was the Lord who came looking for Adam and Eve. Hear me out. The Lord was on time. Because he met with them day after day at that time. He was right on time. Because he loved them. And loves them. He is love, but he couldn't wait to be with them. So he kept his end of the bargain. Now Reinhardt said this. Adam was willing to go on without God after he fell. But God was not willing to go on without Adam. So the first thing God did is he looked down at their attempt to cover their nakedness. So they made fig leaf speedos. What a dumb idea. It's amazing how dumb you can be outside of the presence of God. Really, if you want to do dumb stuff, do it. Sweet baby's like, you know what I mean? Look, the, the ideas, they're like, oh, wow, we're going to die. We ate the fruit. The Bible, the Lord told us, in the, in the day you eat of it, you will die. Oh, my God, we're going to die. Hurry up. <laughs> Grab a fig leaf. That's how stupid the human mind is outside of the presence of God. Really. That's why the cross is an offense to the natural mind. Because the natural mind is dumb. That's why the Bible mocks human wisdom outside the cross. Paul says it. He goes, look, the cross is foolishness in comparison to man's wisdom. Well, that's because man's wisdom without Jesus is dumb. The proof's in the pudding. Think of the dumb mistakes we've made as people. The whole time the Lord's going, ah, don't do that. Don't do that one. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. And you do it. You do it. And then you, you, then you need a sozo because you did something dumb. You know what I mean? So, so the Lord keeps his end of the deal. He shows up. The Lord shows up. And the Lord showed up for you this morning. Oh, I, I promise you he did. I promise you he did. But you start giving the Lord those moments, here's what's going to happen. He's going to sneak up, sneak up on you when you're stuck in traffic on I-4. And all of a sudden, moments that used to really bother you 
that hour-long car drive that takes 15 minutes with no traffic, instead of it being an hour of hell, all of a sudden becomes an hour of heaven. Because you gave him your morning as a tithe. Now he brings increase throughout the day. Do you think he wants us to tithe our money and not our time? When you tithe, you're not helping God out. You're not enriching the Lord. (laughs) It's all his. They walked with God. They felt God. They heard God. They saw God. They were so close to the Lord that he was their portion. He was their reward. You say, why is that important? Because you will experience the one or the thing you are most aware of. That will become your life. That's why the Bible says, whatsoever, howsoever, or actually, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. As a man, not just what a man thinks about, but as a man thinketh in his, so he is. You will become who or what you think about. You want to become like the Lord? You give your attention to the Lord. When there's disturbance around you and you are experiencing the Prince of Peace within you, you will drip the Prince of Peace. But I feel the Lord beckoning us. Listen, hear me out. As a movement to redefine what it means to be successful. Because if we don't, if we don't get this, we're going to reach and reach and reach and reach and try to fill these voids in our life and only discover that we reached our entire life and never were fulfilled. Like you, if you, if the person next to you gets everything you dreamed of in a day, And you cried out your whole life for that. If you love Jesus, you can leave with a smile. If, if you rented a stadium that sat 60,000 and 10 people showed up, if you were walking with God into that stadium, stadium you could minister to him the same way you would as if 60,000 were in the seats. That is success. Success is living in a tangible, experiential love for Jesus. Let me let me read this to you. First Thessalonians, verse uh, chapter five. Eric actually sent this. It was wild today. I was walking. Uh, near our house all these deer were out and I was walking and I could just feel the Lord 
And I was telling the Lord this morning, I was just saying, Lord, this is all I long for. This is it. Just, just walking with you. I just want to be with you. I want to know you. Whatever else happens, great. I want us to be very, very close friends. And, and I, my heart was full. I, I, I was feeling his pleasure. And then my, I got a text from Eric. And he's, he's one of the few people I would check a text from on a day I have to preach. And so he, Eric said, I am praying 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18 to you, or over you right now. He didn't know what I was talking to the Lord about. And this is what it says. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want you to listen, listen. Some of you are wondering, what is God's will for my life? Let me give you two, two scriptures. One is a statement straight from Jesus' mouth. They said, what is the will of the Father? And he said this. The will of the Father is to cling to the Son. You're like, wait, wait, I know that. But what else? And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it. Cling to me, and then I'll do all of the other stuff. Like, what about my ministry? Jesus is like, How about you minister to me and I teach you the ministry? How about my feelings become your ministry? How about you learn the ebbs and flows of my spirit, what I like and don't like? And how about you learn to hear my voice? And if a a ministry is birthed out of that, then great. But if you build it, you'll have to keep it alive. Listen to me, guys. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just because you have a 501c3 doesn't mean you have a ministry. You have an organization. And the two are way different. Some people just can't get out of the way because they're trying so hard because they've not learned his feelings in secret. And God will not allow us, hear me, to learn the, 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 the most minute details of his heart on the platform. That's not where it begins. It can't begin there. It has to begin alone with the Lord. When the Lord becomes your ministry, he'll gladly put you before people. And even when he does, listen, even when he does put you before people, the only way you can touch the people is to connect with him, and so you kind of forget the people even though you love them. Are are you hearing me? It's like you're there, but the only way the people are touched is if you're more with him than you are there. It's the whole picture of the tabernacle. I I told our students, there is no floor, no furnished floor in the tabernacle. So the priests would never forget, yeah, my feet are in the dirt, but as long as they kept their head lifted, all they saw was glory. So they were in but not of. So here Paul says this. Listen, I I want to read it again. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you. Michael, what's the will of God? Pray without ceasing. You're like, dude, that's a tall order. You're right. But that doesn't lower the standard. Success, and what is prayer? Oneness with the Lord. It's the heart engaging the Lord. It's not so much speaking. 
you know, like, I, I understand if you go to, like, Five Guys and you want to order a burger, you have to talk to the person. I get that. You can't pray in tongues to them and expect them to get your order. <laughs> I just got a picture of that. That would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> can I tell you a funny story real quick? Daniel Kalenda was telling me during Brownsville, they were out on an outreach. And uh, his buddy was super zealous, so they went into a New Age shop to evangelize. And um, so they walked into the New Age place, and <laughs> his buddy was wild. And his buddy looked at the, the cashier in the New Age bookstore. And, and Daniel said, look, she was New Age, but she seemed like a really nice, you know, she was a nice lady. She needed Jesus. So his buddy walks up. <laughs> his buddy walks up and, oh, no, 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 no. That's another story. This is a Brian Guerin story. This is a Brian Guerin story. So Brian Guerin, he, self, he, he admitted himself, he, he's a prophet. He's not so much like a street preacher. So they were out on the street during Brownsville, and his buddy was wild, and they were walking together, and his buddy looked across the corner. They were in Panama City Beach during spring break, which is a wild scene. And, and his buddy's like, that, that, that guy over there is a devil. And Brian's like, really? He goes, yeah, the one right over there. He's got a devil. And, and Brian's like, what are you going to do? And the guy's like, I'm going over there. So, so he walks up to the guy on the street, and he looks the guy in the eye, and he goes, I love this. He looks the guy in the eye, he goes, what is your name? <laughs> the guy goes, Doug? He goes, no, no, no. Like, no, like, not you, the you. You know, you got folk in there, the folk. Like, what is your name? The guy goes, Doug, man, you're freaking me out. You're totally freaking me out. <laughs> How did I get there? Where was I, Oz? Huh? Oh, yeah, pray without ceasing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I understand you have to go through life. I get that. But listen, there's a way to live whether your mouth is moving, your heart is still connecting. Prayer is not merely requesting. We've, we, we have termed it a humble request made unto God. That is not prayer. That is a small piece of prayer. Prayer is simply this, the heart looking at the Lord and communing with him. So, Jesus said it like this. He comes down the mountain from prayer. His disciples finally picked something up. You know, without the Spirit, they were a pretty wild bunch too. Without the presence of God, they made some wild decisions. You know, a city didn't receive the Lord. They're like, Lord, do you want us to kill him and call down fire? He's like, no, that's not what I want you to do. <laughs> do you even know what spirit you're of? I've come to save the world, not destroy it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the point is they, they were walking with the Lord, and still, because they weren't filled with the spirit, they still made some pretty questionable decisions. Wouldn't you agree with that? So they come down the mountain, but he comes down the mountain, and they did figure this out. Wow, 
When he goes up the mountain all night, he makes really important decisions when he's done, like he calls all the apostles. He wouldn't choose his apostles unless he spent the entire night with the Lord. They thought, wow, he was up the mountain when he let us leave the shore and cross the Sea of Galilee, and the storm hit, and while he was up on the mountain, which was about four miles from the boat, I want you to think of that for a moment. The Sea of Galilee is eight miles wide. Jesus is on a mountain. The Bible says the boat was in the middle of the lake. Well, if it's in the middle of something eight miles wide, that's four miles. Have you ever tried to see something four miles away? You can't do it outside the Spirit. So Jesus is on the mountain, and now the Father's showing him, hey, <laughs> your boys are in trouble. <laughs> right? So, so, so they found out, man, he was up the mountain all night, and he came walking on the storm-tossed sea like a G, just walking right by him, <laughs> just right past him. Like, he wasn't like, hey, if they weren't, that, that was the confidence that the Lord was carrying. The Lord was like, hey, um, I'm going to keep going. I'm crossing over. You guys, you, you want me in or what? There's that side of the Lord, by the way. When the Lord's, the Bible says the kingdom suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. This kingdom is a freight train. God's not begging. He's not begging for you to serve him. He's not begging. He'd love for you to join him, but he is on a mission. So they saw this stuff. They saw, man, when he goes up there, when he comes down, stuff happens. So they said this to him. He comes down the mountain. They said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. That's a very interesting statement. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to do those cool miracles. They were smart enough to understand the reason those miracles took place is because he will do anything to get up that mountain. We won't do anything to get to our recliner. We, really? Oh, it's a little cold by the recliner. It's chilly over there. So I stand under these covers. They're so snugly. Maybe God will just meet me if I stay in the bed. You know, maybe he'll, I won't spend time with him now. I'll do it later after I watch two hours of TV that night and I'll fall asleep on him and call it prayer. How committed was the Lord to this lifestyle? The, the, the Mount of Transfiguration, many the, Mount Tabor, who, who many theologians believe that that's where he was transfigured, it's snow-capped in, the, in many winters. It wasn't like the, the Mount of Beatitudes. That wasn't as difficult. I've been there. But the, where he was transfigured took work to get to. Moses spent much of his life on Sinai. It was a holy high mountain committed to be with the Father. So the disciples see this. They see his commitment and they understand when he's done, man stuff happens. He left the mountain and that's when the woman with the issue of blood came and touched him after he had spent time with the Father. That realm only comes by being with the Lord a lot. I don't mean just the prayer of faith. I mean the realm that when you're walking through a store, stage four cancer leaves just because you went into the store. 
That is available, but it's not cheap. You have to be with Jesus. And his life so, so, so fills you that he starts dripping out even when you don't know he is. Why would he do that? Because he loves the people more than we do. He loves them more than we do. So Jesus is walking by. That woman touches him. He says, who touched me? Why? Because he felt power go out of him. Why? He was such a friend of the Spirit, he could tell when the Spirit flowed out. Gosh, man. He walked with God. Every second. Every statement, Jesus said. Jesus said, I don't even say anything unless I hear the Father say it. Are you, are you hearing that? No, you're not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You talk about intimacy? Jesus says, you will be judged. You will be justified or condemned by your words. And by the way, you will be judged for every idle word you ever speak. What's an idle word? The stuff you didn't mean? The fake I love you? The fake hallelujah? The fake praise God? The fake I'm blessed and highly favored? When you're depressed and broken? Saying things that aren't coming, presuming you know the will of God in a situation when you haven't sat with him to hear it? That's, that's not a small deal. The prophet rebuked David for committing the great sin of presumption, the Bible says. David presumed that he knew the will of God, but he, he did not sit with them to hear. That's not a hiccup in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord said, that is the great sin of presumption. So Jesus says, you'll be judged for every idle word, every careless word. So that means Jesus didn't speak one. Imagine never saying anything that the Father didn't speak first. Huh. And that's what the widow said to Elijah. One thing I know, the word of God in your mouth is the word of the Lord. When other guys say it, it doesn't land. But Elijah, when you say it, something happens. It's all about the connection. So Jesus comes down the mountain. They say, oh, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Even John, under the old covenant, taught his disciples to pray. That means something. Discipleship 101 is teaching people how to connect with the Lord. It is not teaching them a system. It is not teaching them some type of lifeless uh, track that we're really hoping they join our church. Sometimes that happens. There's these ulterior motives that we need to let God crucify. That I'm going to go through a growth track. and if, if it's not teaching you to experience the presence, you are not being discipled. So, so they said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And this is what the Lord says. When you pray. Notice he didn't wait a second. He goes, oh, finally you asked. <laughs> Basically, that's what he's saying. I've been waiting for you to ask me a good question there, Peter. <laughs> okay. Finally. Whenever the Lord answers something so quickly, that means he's ready to answer it and excited. So he says, oh, when you pray, say. I'm going to say that again. When you pray, say. That means praying and saying are not one and the same. 
Sometimes we start saying before our heart is praying. Miss Debbie would remember what we all came up in with my father-in-law. He would always say something in the middle of a meeting. Ask him for whatever you want now. And it was always when the presence of God was heightened and charged. Why? Because finally we were aware of him. And when you're aware of him, faith is available because he's the presence and spirit of faith. When you say, after you have begun to pray, you get answers. Stuff happens. That's how you pray unceasing. The heart is eternally connected and constantly in communion no matter what you're doing. That is success, my friends. That is loving Jesus. That's the point of living. And and hear me out. Nobody can take that from you. Nobody. You, you, you can't be persecuted out of it. You can't be ridiculed out of it. You, 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 there's no way somebody, unless you let them, can take you out of that communion with the Lord. In Exodus 31, this is amazing. Just trust me, it's in there. You don't have to turn. In Exodus 31, the Lord is done speaking to Moses. The King James uses the word communing. And once he's done communing, he tells Moses, now take everything I've spoken and put it on these stone tablets. Wait a minute. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the way God sees your relationship with him. God is speaking, and he calls it communing. Once God is done communing, he says, now put it in stone tablets. Sometimes we think God is just speaking to get us to do something. But to God, it's communion. It's intimate. It means something to him. This is what that tells me. Before he wanted Moses to do the work of the ministry, making sure those tablets were secure, he wanted one-on-one fellowship. So this is what I'm, I, want, I want the Lord to do tonight. Can you help me, John? Just strings. I want the Lord to deconstruct in our hearts tonight what it means to be successful in his eyes. If you get this, you get it all. This is so liberating. I want to just burrow through all this stuff. It doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account. It, it doesn't, God, God can bless you. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't, it just, it, none of it matters in comparison to this. This is life. Walking with the Lord. David said this. The context was him being surrounded by enemies. He said, but I have given myself to prayer. Another translation reads, I have become prayer. It's amazing, isn't it? I have become prayer. He's like, look, I'm surrounded, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be possessed by the Holy Spirit right now. 
and I'm going to give my everything to the Lord and become His. What kind of God is it who so walks with Enoch, such passion in God's heart, that Enoch walked with him so faithfully, the Lord was like, yeah, i got to have you now, and takes him to glory early. What if that became our standard? Are you hearing me? What if holding God's hand became our standard? What if we, as we were driving in our, in our hearts, we were like, I, I want to hear the Lord. Lord, what are you saying? What do you want? Open my dream life. Make my nights like their day. some who don't know the Lord what, I'm, what I am saying though is that we can know him more if someone asked you do you know Michael Culianos you'd say yeah I know him but you some of you here don't know me as well as others so you might know where I was born and our ministry but you may not know my favorite meal you may not know what happens to my heart in a certain circumstance. You wouldn't know me like my wife does. I feel like that's what the Lord is inviting us into, is the knowing of the Lord. That this wouldn't be a historical Jesus to us, that he'd be a real living Jesus to us. Can I read this verse over you guys? I want you to hear this. It's Exodus 33. Verses 9 through 11. This is what I'm believing for. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. Listen. And the Lord talked to Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord... So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Verse 
12. Skip one verse there. Verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I might know you. Jesus. That I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And the Lord said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Say, Thank you, Jesus. And he said to him, If your presence doesn't go with me, don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight unless you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. Now I want you to hear this. The Lord tells Moses in verse 17, you have found grace. And Moses knew what to do with that grace because grace is favor. Verse 18. Please show me your glory. Are you hearing that? Moses says, if I found grace, go with us. The Lord says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. By the way, I've given you grace, Moses. And Moses says, oh, if you've given me, if you've given me grace, show me your glory. He didn't say, if you've given me grace, make me a stronger leader in the eyes of the people. He said, if... if If you've given me grace, this is what I want to do with the grace you've given me. I want more of you. I want your glory. That's what we need in our hearts. He's in the room. He's in the room. Lift your hands to heaven. Lord Jesus, how we love your name. How we love your face. We hear you calling us into the cloud. We hear you, Lord. You want to be known. You're faithful. We hear the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day in our hearts. Jesus, do it, Lord. Do it in us. And strengthen us to obey. In the name of Jesus. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life everywhere.